Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is the episode that is covering for the week of Friday, September 17th, 2021. We have three interesting movies for you. Very very interesting movies this week. Let me start off first with Eric Holmes' Prisoners of Homestand. Prisoners of Homestand. By the way, you can check out, listeners, you can check out the video version of our podcast on our YouTube channel, Deepest Dream. Eric Holmes, are you excited about the three films we are covering this week? Did any of these movies blow you away? Teaser um, on that. Yes. Yes. What one in particular did. And, uh, and we'll get we'll get into that. It was a pretty wild movie. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Do I look like a rat man to you? Here it comes. Do I look like a rat man? A rat man? Like the band rat? The, uh, the, 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 they sing the, the song you, that I'm not going to sing because you'll just cut it. <laughs> R-A-T-T. Remember, that's rat. What is it? Out of the cellar? No, rat man. Bruce, do you get the reference? Bruce Berkey. Uh, I don't know. My brain is going Listeners, we're, we're, we got back into the show. I just cut Eric and Bruce. They went on a 20-minute This Is Rat on Spotify playlist. They just elongated the show by 20 minutes, and we we just cut off 20 minutes of their best. Bruce Perky, what's your favorite rat song? Is that with that? Is that a rounded round? Is that your favorite rat song? <laughs> is, is there another rat song? I, I don't know. <laughs> Eric Holmes, no? Uh, there's, uh, I, actually, there was, because uh, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, there was a band a local band, I think uh JRZ system. And so they mm. would play with Stephen Percy. And I think they I could be wrong, but I think they became like the backing band for Rat. Oh, okay. or at least That's the backing cool. band for Steve Percy at a couple of times. But that okay. that was cool, I guess. But no, not a huge rat fan. I do know not, that not, song not, or, I guess maybe it, one of these one of these days maybe it's good like, it's good drinking music. It's good, <laughs> you get drunk it, enough, it's like screw it, rat. rat. Bruce, in your younger days, did you ever get get drunk to rap music, R A T T music? Never, ever, ever, ever. I was already into punk by then, so rat was out. Don't you miss? Would you, if you could turn back time, would you just say forget? If F- you, you again, we can We got back right now. That was- All right, folks, we just got back from our share interlude, which has now since been cut. I was gonna throw some more rat jokes, but Bruce. Any any movies are you passionate about this week as far as what we're covering? Let me just unveil everything. We're covering Prisoners of the Ghostland, starring Nicolas Cage, Cop Shop, the latest film by director Joe Carnahan. Joe Carnahan, he of the movies The A-Team, Narc. And what else, guys? What else, guys? I'm thinking Narc, The A-Team. Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces. Yes. Oh, and The Gray. Very good. So are you, and, and then finally, this documentary, Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster. Bruce, you excited about all three of these films? Is there something out of teasing, out of the bunch that you're really excited to talk about? How, how are you feeling this week? I'm feeling good. I, I think there's, there's good, there's bad, and there's okay in that trio. There's good, there's bad, and there's, uh-oh. I think I know which one is the good one. Bruce Porky has actually, well, he's... He's not a card counter like we, what we were covering last week. He's actually playing his hand because I'm believing the good one is sitting right next to him. For for our uh, podcast listeners, Bruce, what is what is next to your microphone this week? Can you tell our podcast it's, listeners? It's not a doll. It's an action figure. <laughs> it's an uh, action figure. It's my. It's uh. The, I don't know what this was. Maybe the I don't know 70th anniversary, 50th anniversary, and they came out with a 
full size little action figure of ah of oh, where's Carla playing Frankenstein? It's a, he just it's fell. Alive. <laughs> it just fell down, folks. Is he okay? Is he all right? Well, you know, he's reanimated, so how could he how could he actually ever go down again? So yeah, he's good. <laughs> Gravity bad. Gravity. He's looking for a little girl to throw into the lake. He's gonna he's gonna do this. <laughs> okay, okay. She floats. <laughs> they all float down here. Very funny. Also covered. Also covered. And by the way, Eric Holmes, for this episode, do you have a recommendation or, or no, not not really a right off the top of your head. Anything on off your head? Because I think this is gonna be the Bruce Perky show because he has like three movies on, I, on the docket. I, I do have a recommendation. It's not a movie, but I do want to talk about it because it's that good. Okay. And Uh-oh. It, w- it will be a movie soon. So maybe that does kind of uh, tie into the show. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. And and Bruce, you you, you know, every single week, folks, on our, our Google Doc, last several weeks, Bruce Perky, we've been kicking the can on the Netflix film Sweet Girl. I don't know. Is that a punishment, Bruce, if we actually make Eric eventually see Sweet Girl one of these days? Yeah. We'll just keep mentioning it until he actually watches it. Then we'll discuss it. If we can remember it, we'll we'll talk about it then. So, and, what, well, and what's it? What's it playing on again? Because I keep, I, keep I keep meaning to do it, but I keep forgetting what it's playing on. And for some reason, the idea of uh, checking Google never crosses my mind. We're living in the future, and somehow I'm just not getting it. Again, Sweet Girl is playing on Netflix. Air Combs. All you okay. need to do is download just on your on your iPad or on your TV. Just open up Netflix. Sweet Girl will be on the upper left-hand side, right next to right next to Citizen Kane, Casablanca, and then Sweet Girl, right smack dab in the middle. Am I correct, Bruce, on this? Yes. So right it'll be the, the best movie of the three. It'll be the best movie. <laughs> it might it's be. kind of like that uh, that famous <laughs> album review by um, of uh, Spinal Tap, Shit Sandwich. Yes. Okay. Very good. Very good. And then Bruce might actually have some thoughts on these movies called Malignant. It's a new movie that I believe over the weekend made $15 million. And this is a movie that I'm really excited to see just because it seems very wackadoodle. Eric Holmes, I'm surprised you haven't seen Malignant. It, maybe you were busy over the weekend. You had maybe you're watching football like I was, or what what were you doing? You know, this uh, is the, right up your alley. I mean, come a, on. Were you writing your bit, script? Or? A little busy, little sick, not COVID, just regular sick. And oh. uh yeah, just didn't didn't uh didn't get it in but uh I, you would have I, I will be watching malignant if for no other reason than uh andrew martin on the cinematics facebook page which you should uh check out all fair listeners uh but andrew martin i believe he suggested malignant i know he said malignant so you know no, actually andrew martin like says malignant. It, watch it <laughs> a- andrew martin says it i gotta watch it at least at some point so Andrew Martin will definitely be seen by me as our will good, sweet girl. Oh, as will sweet girl. Yes. Our good buddy, Andrew Martin. He of the Andrew watches movies, podcast fame. Very good. He has the very enviable and no, actually not enviable, just very tough job of actually being a one person podcast. But what's interesting is he puts a very personal spin on his love and appreciation for cinema. And obviously, you know what? It would, it would have been really cool to actually have Andrew talk to us about universal monsters because we're going to get to Boris Karloff in this episode as well. And then also finally, there's a lot of false moves I've made in my life and we're going to get to it. But for what's in the box, Bruce Porky, it was this one false move. Was that a rewatch or what was it for you? Yes. Rewatch. I saw the theater when it came out and not since. So a rewatch. Okay. With this movie, I believe it stars Billy Bob Thornton, Cinda Williams, and I haven't seen it for over 27 years, unfortunately. And it's directed, I think I said it, it was directed by Carl Franklin. Have you ever seen this movie, One False Move, Eric Holmes? 
I don't think I have. It's one of these movies. Yeah, it's one of these movies. And it also stars, my, I believe, Michael Beach. Very interesting movie. I think I think it's time I, I definitely check it for a rewatch. And it's might yeah. might be something that you might want to see for the first time, Eric Holmes. Yeah. Really when, when you first mentioned it, I thought I saw it, but I think I was thinking of No Way Out with, with uh, Kevin Costner. Mm, it doesn't no sound like out. that's the one, so. What a great movie directed by Roger Donaldson, starring Sean Young, Gene Hackman. Do you love that movie as well? Bruce Berkey. Is it better than Sweet Girl? What do you think? Uh, yeah, what, what? What's eh? It's better what? than Sweet Girl. Oh, yeah. It's better than Sweet Girl. <laughs> it's better than Sweet Girl. But did, you, I you, gonna, did I say I was going to watch Sweet Girl? Maybe I won't watch Sweet Girl. <laughs> Maybe you won't watch Sweet Girl. But you know what? I'm going to just actually for this episode, I'm going to just not... I'm going to stay on the lane and I'm going to start off with the first movie that Bruce Perky actually, he does our weekly show notes and, our, and organizes everything for me and Eric, because we are so disorganized beyond belief. Thank you, Bruce Perky for, for doing this. I've never said this. I've never said thank you before and I'll never say thank you again. So this is the only chance you get, by the way, by the way, thank you. Okay. So, so cherish the thank you Bruce on this. Ins- <laughs> Very good. Very good. By the way, we're, we're now we're, we're uh, our podcast is growing in listeners, but we we are now millions of dollars in debt because Bruce and Eric are singing the favorite tunes from yesteryear. But let's let's not. Uh, yes, Eric Holmes, you, you had some thoughts. Did you have to say you're listening to Find Your Karaoke with Greg, Bruce, and Eric? <laughs> yes, and this uh, this episode, Bruce is leading that episode. Now, Prisoners of the Ghostland. I would have to say that all three of us. I'm going to speak for all three of us. We are all huge fans of Nicolas Cage and we're excited to see just any any Nicolas Cage film that's coming out. Bruce, would you say that Nicolas Cage in the last several years, he's been on a really good run? I'm thinking Color Out of Space, Pig, Mandy, Eric, throwing it to you guys too. Do you, or do you think it's just like any other year for Nicolas Cage? Or do you think this is just a really great run for him? He's been doing a lot. I mean, he's been doing a lot of movies for a while. So, you know, just mathematically, he's going to accidentally get some good ones in once in a while. But I think think anytime Nicolas Cage is in a movie, he's at least good in it. And he's, you know, especially when he goes full cage, it's always interesting to watch, even if the movie's not that great. But yeah, he's had a he's had a couple of real bangers too. So you know, with Mandy, Color Out of Space. I didn't love Pig as much as you did, but that's that would definitely be Fair. up there. I think Pig's Pig's my favorite out of the whole bunch. But do you think this is a, a great run for Bruce? Would you uh, for well, Nicholas Cage, Bruce? What do you think? It depends. I'd have to see how many movies he's released each year to know. Because if he's released twenty movies and he's got two good ones, eh, maybe not such a good run. But I mean, maybe he's only released five this year. So there, you know, then that would be a good run. I think by aggregate, I'm going to say this right now: Nicholas Cage probably has to be the best actor out there, just by the quantity of movies he's done and that are ex very good to excellent. One of these days, we actually have to run a run off a list. Maybe there might be. Wouldn't it be funny if there's about 25 to 30 really good Nicolas Cage movies out there? Oh, and you, I bet there are. I bet right. you could easily get 20 really good Nicolas Cage movies. That would compare up to probably De Niro or Pacino or some of the best, or even Gary Cooper, the, the Burt Lancaster. He's like right up there. And the fact that he makes 500 movies a year, that like Eric says, by, by sheer math, there's going to be a couple of really, really good ones, right? Okay. Now, there's a reason I'm reading. There's going to be a reason I'm reading the synopsis for Prisoners of the Ghostland. I'm not going to go off script on here. Okay. And there's a reason why and I'll get to it in a second. Quote, in the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town, a ruthless bank robber played by Nicolas Cage is sprung from jail by, we- by a wealthy warlord known as the governor. His adopted granddaughter, Bernice, played by Sofia Boitella, has gone missing. It is up to the bank robber played by Cage to find Bernice and bring her back to Samurai 
town. But you know what? In the middle of his journey, he runs into just an, a really weird desert-ridden area that looks like it came out of one of those Mad Max installments. It's it's called Prisoners of the Ghostland. It's a ghostland filled with people who you're you're kind of wondering, why are all these people dressed in rags? Why are they worshiping a clock? And why do they not make sense? And why do they do musical numbers? The reason why I'm, I'm not going off book regarding the, the plot of this is I didn't understand one darn thing of Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is in theaters on demand and digital. It's directed by, I'm mispronouncing the name, Sion, S-I-O-N, Sono. It's a very interesting movie. We're going to start off with you, Eric Holmes. Your thoughts on Prisoners of the Ghostland. I, I, I wrote this down because I'm very clever. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and I, I thought it summed the movie up nicely. Imagine if Yodorowsky did a remake of Road Warrior set in the world of Coco, and then Takashi Miike remade that movie into a samurai western. You kind of get a good idea of what uh, Prisoners of Ghostland is. That's great. And the weird thing is, like, it's an odd movie, obviously. On the uh, poster, it says... It has the, uh, you know, they have the quotes of, uh, you know, certain critics. And one of the quotes said, this was the wildest movie ever made, Nick Cage. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, if that doesn't sell the movie to you, I don't know what does. And the the cool thing about this movie is that it's it's definitely a comedy, which that I wasn't expecting. I I figure it would be like weird and funny like but not self-aware and it is so like it i think a lot of the comedy is self-aware not just breaking the fourth wall but like the movie knows it's silly and just kind of leans into it and i kind of i appreciate that it's not doing the sharknado thing where it's like ah this movie sucks get it it does its weird things but it kind of leans into it and it has fun with it and yeah I, I like this movie a lot. I appreciate that uh, Nick, Nick Cage seems a little different in this because he started off as kind of stoic Nick Cage. And then, he, you know, he's he kind of has a little in a different character than he does in most of them. And he's a lot funnier in this than he is in. Because usually when Nick Cage is funny, when he's going full cage, you're usually laughing at him. This one, I feel that Nick Cage is kind of not in on the joke, but his his character has kind of a, I don't know how you would put it. Like, uh, I don't give a shit. Like, he, he's got one-liners, which he doesn't usually do. His one-liners are just usually him just going fucking nuts. And, yeah, the, this is a strange Mad Max kind of Yodorowsky fucking at, at, yeah, <laughs> Takashi Miike acid trip, and I was eating it all up. That is a very good description, Eric Holmes. Um, you know what? I'm just going to say this right now. I'm going to actually flag this down because I, I want to get your comment so I can put it on, on the social media verse because I want to <laughs> I I get reactions. I'm, a, I'm Greg Clickbaits for Zavosti. Prisoners of the Ghostland or Pig, which do you prefer, Eric Holmes? Oh, this one. Um, like I said, I like Pig, but I didn't like it as much as you guys did. And they're also different movies. Like Pig's weird, but this one's like flat out bonkers. Like th- this one's like Mandy weird, but I think this one has more comedy than Mandy does because Mandy's really, really serious and, you know, it's bloody and gory, but it, it has a really serious tone and it's crazy. And this is also that, but it's a, a lot more fun and a lot more funny. Kind of like the difference between Gremlins and Gremlins 2. They're both similar, but like Gremlins is more horror. Gremlins 2 is more comedy. If you were to compare like Mandy, Mandy's the more horror one. Prisoners of Ghostland is m- more the comedy version of that with Samurais and, and uh, yeah. So we're talking about some really great Nicolas Cage movies like Color Out of Space, Mandy. Would you put Prisoners of the Ghostland in that same 
Nicolas Cage booyah base of really good movies. Does, does it belong in that yeah. category? Okay. Yeah, cool. I, I, I would put this above Color Out of Space. I put it, oh, geez. I, I think I like Mandy a little bit more, but I also saw that a lot more times. So, that, that I mean, Mandy's, yeah. how do you no, beat it's, Mandy? No, no, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's hard to beat Mandy. <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a tough bar to clear and not a very fair one to uh, <laughs> assume any movie would ever meet. But uh, this one gets pretty close for me. Very good. Very good, Eric. Um, to be fair, I also forgot to mention, it also stars Bill Mosley, Yakuza Nakaya, Nakaya Tak, Tak Sakaguchi, and director Nick Cassavetes. Nick Cassavetes, the director of The Notebook, is actually plays this bank robber, bank robber known as Psycho, who's actually oh, that's what that was. Yeah, Nick Cassavetes, All right. big guy. Yeah, very and a very memorable role from and, uh, Nick Cassavetes. Uh, he should be acting more actually. What's uh what what's the uh the woman's name? The Sofia Botella. Sofia Botella, very from, good. Uh, she, mummy? She's been a bunch of stuff. I, I, yeah, I recognize her from the mummy, but she's actually been in some good stuff. And I don't have her IMDb up. <laughs> yeah. No, no, she was in the what, Kingsman movie, the first one, and yeah, she's 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 a really good actress. And and oh, she was in Atomic Blonde as well. So she's very good yeah. in these physically demanding roles. Bruce Perky, Eric Holmes, high marks for Prisoners of the Ghostland. Where where does this land for you? Low marks. I this I love did not this. work for me. This did is not so work cool. for me on any any way. I thought the production design was horrible. The script was horrible. The tone was ridiculously terrible. Everything was awkward. The action was awkward. They did. They totally misused Cage. Like he was relatively unused in this movie. And when he did do stuff, it was just kind of like, I didn't know what he was doing. Sophia Batella is about the only person I kind of liked in this movie as far as acting goes. Yeah, this was a mess. This is like, I don't know. We, we're all old enough, but no one else, probably a lot of people out there aren't. After Mad Max, there was all these kind of offshoot Mad Max movies where they tried to kind of create that trash, trash, a post-apocalyptic look. This seemed like those, but maybe as filtered through like an art installation, it was terrible. This movie was just, it was tedious. Oh my God. I could not wait for this movie to end. I, I, I was, it was painful. I hated this movie. You, you hated for 100 minutes. How many times, Bruce, did you roll your eyes? I didn't roll my eyes. It wasn't even fun enough to roll my eyes. That's the problem. There's another terrible movie, arguably terrible movie I'm going to talk about this week that was so much fun. This movie was so much not fun. I I thought it was, oh God, it was just terrible. It was so terrible. I, I just did not like anything about it hardly, except Sophia Patella. I liked her. She was uh, like a, a small, tiny, shining moment. Oh, uh, and Nicolas Cage's butt cheeks. Those were good. Uh, so Greg, Greg, yes, I, I, I think I think Bruce is in trouble. We need to he, he needs help. Interview. Well, he, okay, he, he thinks he's reviewing Willie's Wonderland. Bruce, we're talking about <laughs> Prisoners of Ghostland, not Willie's Wonderland. I okay. think this was worse than Willie's Wonderland. No, I I no. dislike this more than Willie's Wonderland because Greg, first of all, it was Greg, longer Bruce, than Willie's Wonderland. Bruce has lost it. We need to get him help. This is Bruce, I, love, I love you. We're gonna get I, you help. I love this. Bruce, I don't know if there was a time during your life when you would actually drink, but let's just say you actually like, did you ever like scotch or a whiskey? Let's just say, let's say someone gave you a top shelf scotch, you, know, you can have it neat or or on the rocks. And then maybe what's going to pair it with maybe your, your meat of choice, your steak of choice. So you're going to have a nice dinner. The only problem is you're going to have this really expensive dinner and then maybe like whatever aperitif or whatever kind of appetizer you want. Think about that. Or maybe a dessert too. You know, me being Asian, I love tiramisu. You can pick your, you can pick your dessert, do whatever you want. 
best best food on the table, elegant dining just for you. The only caveat, see, we mentioned caveat every episode, is you have to, <laughs> you have to, during your meal, watch Prisoners of the Ghost Land or The Painted Bird. Which one do you choose as the lesser of two evils? The Painted Bird. Oh, my goodness. Oh, now I know he's lying. <laughs> The painted beep, bird was beep, more beautiful to beep, look at. This beep, movie looks beep, terrible. Beep, 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 That's beep, so beep. amazing. I love you, Bruce. I love that. Okay, so my quick take on Prisoners of the Ghostland. I'm going to say this right now. This movie does not make a... Yes, Eric. I think, uh, I think Bruce is... <laughs> I can't even say it. It's a spoiler. It's a spoiler. Look. Something's about to explode on Bruce. <laughs> I, I'm going to be on... Okay, okay. Look, okay. There, there, no, it's not a spoiler. Is that suit coming in the mail? Is that suit coming in the mail? Listeners, this is not a spoiler. Here's the thing: he has to actually get the that that woman played by Sophia Wotella in that Ghostland area. If he, you know, you're thinking, you know, he could he gets his job from the governor. He can actually run away in a car and just leave his because he's currently a prisoner. He can just escape. No, he can't escape. He has a suit. Yeah, oh, yeah. or a bicycle. <laughs> and, and then he's he, the coolest he has, man I've ever seen. <laughs> he has a suit. He has a suit which has little buttons or something or bombs. There's there are ones attached to each testicle. There's uh, uh to his arms and to his throat area. So if he actually manhandles that woman, that young woman played by Sofia Botella in a in a very harsh way, then one of them will explode. So he has to actually get her from her environment in a peaceful manner. As I'm trying to explain the story, Bruce really probably wants to brain me because we're spending so much more time on Prisoners of the Ghostland, which by the way, Bruce, here's a spoiler. Within all of this mess, I actually like the movie. I found this movie to be really cool. I love I actually I, I kept wanting to get those guys. Let go of that thing. Let the clock go. Please let it go. I there are I in I I'm you know, unlike both of you, you guys are more uh, you know courageous than me. I'm not going to theaters. This is actually a movie that I would have wanted to go see. I know Bruce, you're gonna be disgusted. I would have wanted to go see this in the big screen. Would have loved to see that big clock that they created. And you know, does it look like it was created in an art installation? You know what? I don't know how much money they had for this, but I thought the production design was really cool in a graphic novel kind of way. And Eric, you were so on point regarding the Takashi Miike situation uh, comparison with Jodorowsky. I just thought all of this stuff really shouldn't have blended the samurai Western weird apocalyptic thing shouldn't have worked, but it worked for me. But to Bruce's point, Bruce is, is, by the way, Bruce, actually, for uh, your podcast listeners, he's shaking his head and saying, no, it doesn't work. You know, in, to Bruce's defense, though, a lot the narrative itself did not completely resonate with me, but it is such a visual feast and it is just so audacious in its storytelling, though incoherent it may be. It's just a crazy movie that I think is really worth watching. A, if you're a Nicolas Cage fan, and B, if you just want to just, you know, you might hate it, but I think it's worth just checking out one time in select theaters on demand and digital September 17th. Final thoughts. On Prisoners of the Ghostland, Bruce, absolutely no recommend. Yeah, don't do it. Don't, 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 don't. Eric Holmes, final thoughts? I would very much recommend this, and some people may hate me when they watch it, but I don't care because I love this movie so much. And does this movie count as a musical? Of course it does. Because there's part, like whenever Bill Mosley's talking... And then like whenever they do like the exposition, but they do the exposition with like dance and kind of like chants, but it, it has parts that feel like it wants to be a musical, but it's not quite there. But, yeah, Bruce, yeah. didn't you like the singing and the dancing and the storytelling and the reading of the books? Didn't that captivate you? 
They just took everything and <laughs> threw it at the screen. And I was like, I'm eating it all up. Bruce has gone silent, folks. Bruce has gone silent. He has no, he wants to move on. He does not want to be a prisoner of this ghost land we call a movie. So moving forward, listeners, tell us what you think once you go see it. Give it, yeah, I don't know. Bruce is saying, do not see this movie. We're saying, me and Eric are saying, give it a shot. Again, if you have problems with this movie, do I, not. Contact Bruce. It's not his fault. It's me and Eric's fault. Yes, I would. I would be really curious to see what people think of this one because I, I I don't think like I don't think Bruce is wrong in that. You know, this is it is kind of a mess, but I'm just kind of here for it. And obviously, Bruce isn't. Beep beep. But uh, (laughs) I will disagree with you, Eric. It is not kind of a mess. It's a total mess. But but I think it's consciously a mess. It's consciously a a mess. It's like it's like a Jackson Pollock painting. Like I don't get it, but I love it. Yeah. It's like the Jack a Jackson Pollock painting, but it was actually painted by a monkey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it actually has no intention to the mess. So, ba- so basically, what it boils down to is, I agree with Bruce. I just like it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. I mean, that's. I mean, ultimately, that's what it always gets down to is taste. But yeah. you know, we all agree it's a mess. But yeah, it's just whether it's a mess I, worth watching. <laughs> I, th- this is one like of all the movies we're going to talk about this week. This is the one I'm really curious what people are going to think of it. Like if they're. Prisoners. If they're going to eat it up or like, I'm sure there's people going to hate this one, obviously, but I'm kind of curious of what the, you know, is it going to be uh 50, 50, is it going to be 69, 41, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the uh, ratio is going to be. Yeah. Does that, does that add up? I, Bruce, as, I far as, 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 as far as movie lines go, what, what do you think, where do you put them, uh, you know, Attica or, or that'll be the day. Or I am radioactive. Which is your favorite out of? <laughs> which is no comment, no comment, Bruce. On I'm trying to remember the tune to Radioactive. I could sing that to you. Okay. All right. Moving forward, we have. Oh, you know what, Eric? You and I are in for a drubbing because if people listen to this and they watch this and they get really mad, they're going to come after us. I just want want you to know that regarding prison. I, I would say, are you ready? As long as this movie gets a sixty nine percent of Rotten Tomatoes, I'll be happy. Okay, we'll have to see. Bruce will have his reckoning very, very soon. (laughs) Coming to theaters also on September 17th is Cop Shop. It's the latest film from Joe Carnahan. I forgot what his last movie was. It was that Frank Grillo piece on Boss Level on on Hulu. Did you guys have you? Okay, so did you both like it, Bruce? Have you seen Boss Level? Eric, have you seen Boss Level as well? Yeah. Yeah, we, I believe I talked about it. Okay, you talked to, okay. Or, or at least I watched it and didn't talk about it, which has happened also. As, no, you I talked just, about it. Uh, okay. As Escape is Fair, was that a movie that both of you guys liked? You know, yeah. I mean, okay. So this is good. This is I a good thing. I didn't end up watching it yet, but it's been like, it's been one of those ones on my um, queue forever that I just never got around to, but it looks interesting. It looks fun. Okay. In, okay. One of my favorite cop movies, bar none, is Narc, starring Jason Patrick and Ray Liotta directed by Joe Carnahan, obviously early in his career. And until, you know, and I also thought Smoke and Aces is very underrated, although it has its detractors, a lot of detractors. I thought it's an interesting movie. Bruce Perky brought up The Grey. That's another movie. I think as time goes by, that's probably his most revered film, along with Narc, as far as, you know, just the story-wise. Cop Shop. Okay. How, how do I say this? It centers on this guy named Teddy Moretto, played by Frank Grillo. He is on the run because he knows he's going to he has a contract out on him. And the person who's trying to fulfill that contract is a hitman named Bob Vidic, played by Gerard Butler. You're a psychopath. 
I'm a professional. I'm invisible. That's where I'm going to be. I got feet all over me. I'm not telling you where I am. What are you going to arrest me? What are you people? Please arrest me. You're under arrest. So why were you looking to get locked up, Theodore? Everyone's trying to kill me. They nearly killed us. What'd you do? I did what I had to do. To get to you, Teddy. The legendary Bob Vidic. You're a psychopath. I'm a professional. You pissed off the wrong people. I'm gonna kill you. Drop that gun. No one kills anyone in here. You say you fell? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to clarify, I shot him in the head and then he took a little tumble. Hola! How bad is it? Are you an idiot, Teddy? Anthony Lamb. I'm going by the more friendly and less formal Tony these days. Clear off my contract. No can do. This contract is free fire, as there are competing parties for one Theodore Moretto. Bob, are we going to duel to the death? Get me out of here. Always and only about Teddy. Teddy Moretto does something! Here they come. Let's make a deal, man. I got a lot of money. There's no deal to be made. Come on, Teddy. You know how this goes. I need to know everything. All you have to do is let me blow his head off when I had the chance. I'm coming in there whether you like it or not. Now you see the difference? That is a psychopath. The thing is that the way Teddy decides to escape the hitman is to lock himself up in a jail out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And so what he does is he just assaults a police officer. That police officer is Valerie Young played by Alexis Louder. And we're going to hear more about Valerie in a second. So he punches Valerie. She tases him. She puts him in jail. And he thinks Frank Grillo, his character, he thinks Teddy thinks everything's going to be fine. The hitman's not going to get to him. But ultimately, the hitman finds a way to actually get himself in jail, thrown in jail with Teddy, but in a separate cell. That is the premise of Cop Shop. The only problem is the hitman is not the only problem of Teddy's. There are other hit people coming in to collect on that contract, and there lies the action sequences regarding Cop Shop. There may be police officers who might be compromised within the department. There is a lot of violence, a lot of explosions, a lot of things going on with Cop Shop. Bruce Perky, your thoughts on this movie. Did this movie work for you? We're talking about Freddy's Dead a little bit. There's a Curtis Mayfield sort of shout out that runs throughout the movie. How did this movie work for you? Well, first of all, after the last movie and this movie, we definitely need to make sure the sponsorship from um, John Carpenter is is acknowledged for these movies. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> because this owes a hell of a lot to Precinct 13, Assault on Precinct 13. But that being said, this is a kind of a no-brainer. If you like action movies, this is 
a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I'm kind of a sucker for a movie that's like a limited location, people stuff. I mean, you know, like the classic Night of the Living Dead, they're all stuck in a house with a threat. And here it's, they're kind of stuck in a jail cell and it's like kind of a cat and mouse, also an assault. And we won't say who he is, but the character played by Toby Huss just about mm. steals this movie. Yes. I would say, as well as I th- say Alexis Louder is is quite amazing as the the lead of this movie. I think she is she outshines really the the name performers, I think. Well, for me, she's not as much of a name as the other performers. This is and just she's a, a good, star of the movie. She's a star of the movie. Yeah, this is this is kind of like a Tarantino Light, you know, meets kind of gritty action crime thriller in a in a limited, you know, setting. But and it's nothing too heavy. It's nothing, it's not gonna blow your mind but it's it's a lot of fun i think if you kind of are already into that kind of a movie also i gotta say gerard butler is becoming very quickly to me so reliable like almost everything he's in even if it's kind of crappy it's somehow just watchable i don't know what it is but he has a way of doing that even with his terrible movies like uh what was that oh god i can't even think of the name of it now (laughs) he's had a few of them greenland that we saw recently that was was good that was what i mean but no, I mean, Green, Greenland shouldn't are, have worked at all, but it kind of did, totally yeah. did. Yeah. He has something about him. He's like that, this really solid charisma action lead, and uh, he's able to kind of pull these movies off. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think this is a lot of fun. I think this is a good movie. You were thinking Geostorm. Either Geostorm yes, I was thinking Geostorm. Yeah. <laughs> Geostorm. That thing's ridiculous, but it's so it's fun. Yeah. I mean, the middle of this movie where the uh, Toby Huss or Toby, I don't know if they're saying his yes, name right. Yes, you're right. Toby Huss. When yes. his character comes in and there's about a 15 to 20 minute sequence with him at when he first arrives and and it is it is worth the price of admission i'd say yeah and another thing about cop shop which which is interesting is a lot of the act there is action in this movie but i don't know how long is this movie it is 107 minutes there is a good 50 percent of this movie where it's a little bit of a exposition laden interrogation on who to trust or what to do when one when one is stuck in this station so that i found that to be interesting as well eric were you so you you really like this bruce are you on the same level eric regarding cop shop yeah i i just like joe carnahan's movies in general like he, he's got kind of two different speeds he's got like the kind of i guess the more realistic air quotes more realistic ones like the gray or narc but then he's got like the fun ones like boss level or smoking aces and this one's more on the fun level of like you know this is if you like smoking aces this is kind of like smoking aces too and like bruce said it's it's not a remake of assault on precinct 13 but it's totally a remake of assault on precinct 13 yeah gerard butler he's quickly becoming one of my favorite kind of like bruce pretty much everything bruce said i agree with and i like it too (laughs) (laughs) but yeah anytime uh anytime i see joe carnahan's name on a movie i'm there for it i'm gonna watch it and i don't think i i didn't like this one as much as i did boss level because I think boss level kind of hit more emotional beats. And this one didn't quite get there. But I don't think, you know, th- this one was trying to be a little more fun, you know, over the top kind of kind of silly at times. And not that any of that's a bad thing. But, you know, this is kind of one of those uh, just sit back and enjoy it type movies. You know, it's it's violent. It's funny. It's, uh, you know, thrilling. It's a good action movie. And check it out. And oh yeah, uh, and what and what's her name? The the lead character, Alexis Louder. 
Yeah, she's great. I love her in this, and yeah. I want to see her in more. I, I, in fact, I should check her on DB, um, see what else she's been in. Yeah. Cause I, I really, really, really like her a lot in this. Yeah, I think the big reveal regarding Cop Shop is Frank Grillo and Gerard Butler. When they're in a movie, you're thinking, oh, Cop Shop. These two A-list actors, it's, it's just going to be them going at each other or going at the bad guys for about 107 minutes. But ultimately, Cop Shop becomes a like Bruce was saying, pretty much a star vehicle for yeah. Alexis Louder. I, I also think that uh, that uh, Joe Carnahan kind of uh, when you got Joe Carnahan directing Frank Grillo, I, I think that's just a special sauce right there. Like Frank Grillo is yeah. good, but when you get him with working with uh, Joe Carnahan, it's like he goes from good to oh, we're going to see something cool, and this is no exception. Yes, this is also to to your point. Frank Grillo's character Teddy Moretto, he's an interesting guy because he's, he's a con artist. So you're wondering, is Teddy actually not that bad of a guy in Cop Shop? That's I think that's the one big mystery. Is he going to do the right thing, or ultimately will he do the wrong thing? So, like Eric Eric said, there is a magic sauce between the Grillo and Carnahan collaboration, and that sauce continues to simmer and taste really well with Cop Shop. But I think ultimately Alexis Louder, to Bruce's point, really is the star of Cop Shop. Gerard Butler is also very, very good in this movie. Yes, it does not have the same emotional beats of even, say, A Smoke and Aces, which has a very memorable ending with Ryan Reynolds. But again, like Eric was saying, Cop Shop is not made to be like the gray or or smoking aces in, in like as far as the ending of smoking aces this is just a fun movie this is just one of those things like you know they play that curtis mayfield song they 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 actually try to sing through it it's just a fun though violent <laughs> violent ridden violent laden fun action film and i think there's nothing more to really uh, analyze about cop shop it's just a fun fun movie yes Eric. i also really like the ending of this one and without getting into the ending Although I could tell you exactly what the ending is and it wouldn't make any sense. The ending felt like uh, one of those things, like I could see Joe Carnahan writing that ending and like it, it, it like he's feel like he's kind of feeling that scene and it's probably not going to work for everyone, but I, I was kind of steeped into it a little bit, I guess. So if there's any emotion there, it would be at that point. Cause it's, it's a very strange ending to have for a movie like this, but it, it kind of worked for me as well. Very good point, Eric. I don't, yeah, interesting ending. Bruce, did you like the ending of Cop Shop? I did. I, I also wanted to call out the beginning, and this is a great way to start like an action movie or, or something like this, where you literally just have a, a bullet-riddled car barreling across the desert, and it's full of smoke, and you're just like, okay, right out the gate, you're like, what's going on? This is almost, once again, mm-hmm. I mentioned like Tarantino or something. This is this is like this is like the guy, a, a guy that's shot riding his horse barely into the town in the Western. You know, It's that classic, we're right in it, this is how we're going to go. And like you said, the ending, we're not going to say what the ending is, but it gives similar, I guess, beats in your brain. It, it, it does something similar to in the inner reverse way, I think. So if the ending is a good ending. I wish I'm not going to say anything more about it, but I wouldn't mind if the story of Cop Shop continued with another movie that will never happen, by the way. But I really would like to see some of the surviving characters and their journey because they were very interesting in this movie. That's what I think. Again, that is Cop Shop coming to theaters on Friday, September 17th. No, it's not going to be streaming. It is specifically in theaters. Bruce, worth watching in theaters of just a lazy day? What do you think? I think so. I think this is, we were talking the, the other week, we were talking about palate cleansers when you're watching these really heavy movies. This is 
perfect for that. This is the kind of movie you're feeling down or you've just been something really heavy. You just want something that you don't have to really think too hard on and just enjoy. And you can go in and spend your $6 or $10 or whatever you have to spend and watch this. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a little bit disappointing that it's only playing in theater. I mean, it's cool that it's playing in theaters, but like, I don't know how it is around the rest of the world, but the couple of times I've been to the theater since COVID, like people say, don't go to the theaters because you'll get sick. And every time I've been in there, there's been three other people in there. So it's it's basically like being yeah. at home. This is a movie that you would want to see in theaters, like opening day when it's packed. Granted, that's not something that can happen now. Even if a bunch of people did go, you got, you know, space, you know, there's spacing out seats and all that. It's sad that it's going to theaters now as opposed to, you know, two years ago. Because I think this would be a great movie to watch in theaters with like a packed house and just everyone in in it. Since theaters are the way they are now, I would almost recommend people watching this at home, but inviting a bunch of people to watch it. Because this is a movie that's not so much needs to be seen in theaters, but this is a movie that I think works best with a group of people, a group of people ready for something like this. And I think if you're going to go to a theater and you're one of three people in the theater, I mean, it's it's going to look awesome. It's going to sound awesome, but I don't think you're going to have as much enjoyment as if you got a bunch of friends together, you know, drinking, get popcorn and just enjoy the piss out of this thing. Memo to Joe Carnahan, whatever you do, your next movie should star Toby Huss in the lead. Just make a movie just on Toby Huss or maybe his, his character in this movie. He is so talented. Speaking of talent, we are going to our final review this week as far as the, our featured movies is the documentary Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. It is available in theaters, again, only in theaters on Friday, September 17th. Um, it is delivered to us by Shout Studios and Abro. I don't know how to always pronounce this. Abramorama. 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 But yeah, this documentary, basically, it's exactly what the title says. It's the man behind the monster. When you think of Boris Karloff, what do you think? You think of Frankenstein, possibly the mummy. You're thinking of maybe... The word you lack. The word, the word you lack. <laughs> By the way, awesome that the word you lack is actually... The word you lack from Black Sabbath, right? Black Sabbath, right? Am I correct? Black Sabbath mm-hmm. is actually opens... The movie, the documentary opens up with that Mario Bava film, Black Sabbath, where Boris Karloff plays the word you lack. Interesting documentary. I think really highly worth watching, especially if you want to see more, learn more about the life of Boris Karloff. Interviews include Guillermo del Toro, John Landis, Roger Corman, Peter Bogdanovich, the late Christopher Plummer, Lee Grant, and a whole bunch of other folks, the late Orson Bean as well. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster? Yeah, I'm surprised this one's playing in theaters at all. This seems like a YouTube documentary. It's good. You know, you, you learn a lot about them, but it's, I, I don't know. It, it feels weird that, that I liked it, but this isn't like, this isn't something like uh, anything mind-blowing for me. It's just kind of, if if you like Boris Karloff and you want to learn a lot about uh, classic film and uh, his relationship with uh, fucking Dracula. I can't remember his guy. Bill Lugosi. Bill Lugosi, Lugosi, thank you. <laughs> The Nick Cage of then, uh, <laughs> like if you want to learn about the relationships and stuff, that this is really good and value added in that way. But it, this just really feels like a YouTube documentary to me, and I the the idea that it's playing in theaters just seems odd to me. I mean, I'm what? for it, and hopefully people go see it. But I'm not. I, yeah, I, I don't get that. <laughs> Bruce, what do you think? Uh, did you get that? Do you think do does this feel like a YouTube doc for you? Uh yeah, I'm right with Eric on that. The documentary itself is very 
very standard bare bones. It's just, you know, footage and interviews and that's pretty much it. Now, once again, just like Eric says, if you're interested, which I am interested in, in Boris Karloff and, you know, old universal movies and like just actually his career, it's totally interesting. Uh, and I definitely learned a few things that I hadn't heard before, especially as some of his really, really early stuff was kind of interesting and his later stuff, I, the middle, I kind of knew a little more about. So for people who like him as an actor or want to know more about him or want to know more about the kind of the classic universal horror and all that stuff, dive right in, you're going to enjoy it, but it's not going to blow your, blow you away as far as documentaries go. You know, it's, it's nothing too fantastic there. Oh, and you didn't mention, of course, Joe Dante and oh yeah oh yeah for, yeah so and i take back Miller. everything i said watch this in theaters because <laughs> joe dante's because <laughs> joe dante has a lot of good stuff to say and he's god he's so knowledgeable about older movies especially he brings a lot of stuff to the, the table this is a movie for cinephiles especially people yes. who want to learn more about movie history specifically about the life of boris karloff i thought this was very yes this is not the thin blue line this is not gimme shelter this is not Michael Apted's Up series. This is not a revolutionary documentary. But like Eric, you were saying, it's for people who really want to learn more about Boris yeah. Karloff's life. And really, it's a talking head documentary. It, a lot of it's, I'm wondering if a lot of it's archive footage or some of it's new footage with his daughter, with his daughter as well. I, I don't know. I think I really enjoyed this movie because I really didn't know much about his life. Or what he's about. I just knew the Frankenstein stuff, but there's some really interesting st- stuff about Frankenstein, the mummy, a lot of those, a lot of the movies, because I, unlike you, Bruce, I didn't know a lot of his body of work. So it actually educated me on some of the movies to see, you know, as far as his dramatic work, I had no idea about arsenic and old lace, his work in the theater, all that stuff. And there's also, also this, there's this TV series he did where he was sort of a Rod Serling type called Thriller, which I had no yeah. idea about. And yeah, you were familiar with that, Bruce. Mm-hmm. I had I had no idea. I think it lasted two, maybe two to three seasons. I looked at I looked up Thriller on IMDb. Eight point two out of ten. That is a high rating for an anthology series. I can't wait to watch it. Did you ever get the chance to even check out Thriller, Bruce? Have you ever seen this? Yeah, yeah. I used to. Well, I used to look high and low when I was a little kid for monster movies, and I used to wait whenever Twilight Zone or Outer Limits came on, and I used to every so often catch Thriller. So and even at that age, I, I knew that guy was a spooky guy. He was in Frankenstein. You know, that's kind of where I was at with him. So it was a good series. Thriller was a good series for you. It was solid. I haven't seen this as like eight, eight years old, but I remember it being cool when I was eight. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering how it compares to, well, of course, the Twilight Zone, the Outer Limits, Night Gallery, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, all that stuff. Be interesting to one day just dive into all those wonderful anthology series. We don't get those too much anymore other than Black Mirror. Eric Holmes, yes, sir. I would say one missed opportunity in this uh, documentary was there was no Mark DeWidziak. And anytime you talk about like, <laughs> like older classic film or vampire stuff or uh, Twilight Zone or anything like that, and you don't have Mark DeWidziak in your documentary, you failed. Well, you didn't fail, but you missed an opportunity for sure. Well, look, because they talked about shock theater, which Mark DeWidziak talked about a lot, too. I don't know if you yeah. caught that in there. They're talking about shock yeah. theater, which was was basically what yeah. created this whole 50s and 60s resurgence of young kids being old horror, mo- old movie, you know, horror movie fans because they got all got re- reintroduced to that stuff. So, yeah, like Joe Dante so, and John Landis. So, yeah, know, so, so th- this is just a call out to anyone doing a documentary about classic Hollywood or or old monster movies or anything like that. You want to get Joe Dante. You want to get Mark the Wizziak. 
And like, if you get no one else, at least you got those two. And that's pretty much all you need. Um, It did have Dick Miller in it a lot. So that, that was good to see that. But yeah, the the only thing that's throwing me off is I don't understand why it's playing exclusively in theaters. Like take this, take this podcast. For instance, this podcast is fantastic. The one you're listening to now is the best podcast you're going to hear all week until the next week, which will be even better. I understand that. And you understand that because you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, Eric, you're right. This podcast is amazing. And I agree with you. You do not need to watch this podcast in the theater exclusively. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's weird. It it should be probably on digital or streaming sooner than later. Also, what's interesting about this documentary, I mentioned his daughter's daughter, Sarah Karloff. It's good to know she's not, she didn't turn out to be one of the Hollywood children who were haunted by what a non-loving parent. She seems to really embrace the legacy of her father. And it really shows through this documentary, definitely worth watching very informative film. If you are not an expert on the life of Boris Karloff, Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster again, opens in theaters Friday, September 17th and incredulous Eric Holmes is wondering why it, it should it actually should be in theaters. Maybe it'll be in digital and stream, streaming sooner than later, or maybe on a YouTube, you can rent it as well. Hopefully once that happens, more people will be able to watch it. Right, Eric. And, that's and again, hopefully- Greg is Greg is a beautiful man to look at as is Bruce and myself. And uh, you know, <laughs> but we all have sultry golden throats through years of practice and, you know, yes. working those out. You don't need <laughs> to see us in a theater. I, I have to disagree. To I think that I think that we should be seeing a theater before the Prisoners of the Ghostland. Okay. Oh, I disagree with that. Okay. Now, speaking of the beeps, before we get to Bruce Bruce's recommendations, Eric, you have just a, a recommendation this week that you're pulling out of the hat. A little, uh, yeah. you throwing an audible out here. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going I'm going off the rails a little bit or outside the lines. Uh, mm-hmm. We already we always go off the rails, but I'm definitely going outside the lines. I uh, listened to the audiobook of Andy Weir's. I, I'm not going to say Project Greenlight, Project Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a new book by him. I think it came out a couple months ago. And I'll, I'll give you the setup, like the the stuff that happens like within the first chapter, because the great thing about this story is how things unfold basically a guy wakes up and he's you know kind of getting aware of his surroundings and trying to figure out where he's at he sees two dead bodies and they're not like fresh dead bodies they're like mummified dead bodies they don't stink they've been there a while i uh, can't quite talk there's a there's a computer voice you know asking him questions what's your name he doesn't know his name what's two plus two we can't figure that out and he's basically slowly trying to figure out what happened to him and then he slowly is kind of his memories not really coming back, but like little bits of it is. And he finds out that he's in a completely different solar system. He's on a spaceship in a completely different solar system all by himself. And he's got to figure out why. And he's got to figure out what his mission is. And this is very like if you like the Martian, this is very similar to that in that it's got, you know, someone just kind of working out problems and trying to figure things out. There's a butt ton of science in this, which I always appreciate, you know, that that might turn some people off. I don't know. But then I found out that they're making a movie about this. Andy Weir's producing the movie. It's being written by Drew Goddard, starring Ryan Gosling and directed by Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs guys. And oh, oh Lord Miller. Lord, yeah, being directed by Lord Miller, which is totally going to work. And that, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff in this uh, book that I'm not sure is going to translate well to the movie, 
but there's some stuff in the movie or in the book that I'm like, I cannot wait to see this movie to see how they do that because it's going to be fantastic to watch that. When when this movie is going to come out, this is going to be like on my most anticipated because I've already listened to the audiobook twice. I'm probably going to listen to it a third time, and I can do that like on my way to work and stuff. So it kind of it, it's easier to do that than it is to watch movies, but. This thing is fantastic, and there's so much more I want to talk about this book, but it can't because I think a lot of the fun of this book is kind of going on the journey with the main character and learning stuff as the main character learns it. Not that there's any big twists or anything, but like when you find certain things out, you go on the journey of discovery with them, and that's half the fun of reading it the first time. And then reading it through the second time when you know what's going on, you get, at least for me, I just get deeper into the science of it. And yeah, that, yeah, this is good stuff. I, 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 I would say this is better than The Martian. So if you like The Martian, you're going to fucking love this thing. All right. So that is Project Hail Mary written by Andy Weir, W-E-I-R. I'm checking on Amazon.com right now. Why, why, why do I even say .com? But I'm checking on Amazon. 33,569 reviews. Overall rating is four and a half stars. That is really high marks for Project Hail Mary. That is this a recommendation. needs to be 6.9 stars. needs to be 6.9 6. stars. Actually, it wasn't too much of an audible, Eric, because it's you know it's it's within our purview. It's, become, it's got to turn into a movie, and it's from yeah. the guy who did The Martian. So yeah, sounds good. Project yeah. Hail Mary. I have not read a book, to be honest, in years. I, I need to read. When's the last time you read a book, Bruce? Oh, man, it's been, it's been a while for me. I think I read Gone Girl when it came out. So that okay. would have been what? seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Seven, eight years ago. Yeah, we're, we're illiterate. Unlike Eric, Eric actually does read books. He was. Oh, read, I, I listen to audio books. It's, it's a lot easier. I, I read books that, like actually, read. usually if I'm like read reading, it's usually screenplays like they find online. But yeah. Yeah. If it's a novel, I'll usually listen to the audiobook. And oh shoot, I don't got the guy's name, but the guy doing the the guy doing the reading the audiobook, dude, he's fantastic. I don't know who that guy is, but like okay. the the way he does the audiobook and does all the voice and everything, like the, his cadence and the way he just kind of uh exudes, you know, just the the character. Like, okay, th- this is a movie podcast. You want to talk about acting? The guy reading the audiobook, that is fine acting on his part throughout throughout the audiobook so credit to that actor who's, do, who's doing the audiobook for project hail mary now there's we're going to switch from audiobooks to something that is specifically malignant bruce Berkey, i've been reading <laughs> all these reviews on malignant saying how crazy this movie is yeah your thoughts on the movie your is it a huge recommend for you and is it something that me and eric will really fall for i would say this is absolutely similar to prisoners of the ghost land in that it is arguably a huge mess but if it connects to your tone, you might really like it. So you guys might, might both really hate it. So for me, it's the exact reverse where I can't defend it anymore than Prisoners of the Ghostland as far as its, quote, quality. But I had a, a million times more fun with it. First of all, we talked about going to movies, or Eric did, actually. This was one where I went to the movie and I was the only person in the theater for the first 20 minutes. And then I want to ask you guys. So one person walked into the movie after that. Nope. Lock the doors. You don't get in. Lock the doors. I'm sorry. Come to the next one. Sorry. Go on. Go. So if you walked into a movie theater and there was one person in the movie theater, do you sit in the same row? No. This person did. (laughs) Well, there's two things wrong with that. One, you got to assign seating, but you're already late. You're already 20 minutes late. So you take the first seat that you see. That's that's the yeah. rule. Like if you're walking in during the, the trailers, fine. You know, take your seat. If the movie itself is playing, just grab the first seat. 
if someone else comes in yeah. later and it's like that's my seat <laughs> too bad fine just take the first seat don't talk to anyone <laughs> just take the first seat you find sit down shut the fuck up yeah it was it was weird that was a weird thing so anyway i'll give you the basic bare bones of this and everyone can pretty much see this if they have hbo max i don't so i went to the theater to see it mostly because andrew martin had said see it i said okay it's got to have something going for it. I'm going to go check this out. Uh, directed by James Wan. I'm not a huge James Wan guy. I think all of his stuff is okay. It's good enough, but it's not really my style. This movie, uh, the basic idea of this movie, it starts out a woman, well, there's like a little pre-code, a pre-story before the credits. I won't tell you about that. But then after that, main woman comes home. She's pregnant, abusive husband. He's knocking her around. Very quickly, he gets killed by some strange dark figure, entity, demon. We're not sure what it is. And after he's killed, she is haunted by visions of this thing. And, and so it goes. Sounds pretty run of the mill. It sounds like regular old James Wan stuff. The thing you can't quite describe to people until they've seen this is, and I think I'd mentioned it to Greg, this is like a, a Marvel level movie being directed by a Marvel level director, but written by Tommy Wiseau. It's that level of nonsensicalness of it. It, Sold. (laughs) It's so, this movie is so strange. And everybody who's watched it, I mean, some people say it's totally campy on purpose. I don't believe it. Some people say it's just totally terrible and not campy at all. Well, I don't believe that either. The last third of this movie is intentionally over the top to a degree that's insane. But I feel like a lot of the stuff that's in here, the terrible writing, the terrible acting, the horrible plot points, the almost soap opera style things that happen in this movie, a, a percentage of it is, un, is unintentional. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it, like, how, how do I know this? I don't really know how to describe it. It came to me, this is almost like, do you guys remember Chris Gaines? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, yeah, his okayest hit. <laughs> yeah, Chris Gaines was the like the alternative alter ego of Garth Brooks. No, he wasn't. Yeah. He was his own guy. Chris yeah. Okay. Is a okay. Completely okay. different person. So, <laughs> my idea, my, my, my concept is that Garth Brooks, he knows how to make country, whether it's your thing or not, he knows how to make country. When you put him in a different thing, he's, he tries his best and it kind of seems sort of like it, but it's awkward and strange. and doesn't quite work because it's not his thing. And that's sort of what I feel like here. This is like James Wan trying to do Sam Raimi kind of but he doesn't quite know how to do it. And it makes it very awkward and very unusual. This movie, especially if you have HBO Max, check it out. Keep in mind, you might be groaning and kind of like, oh my God, this is so dumb through the first 35, 40 minutes. But when it hits its final third, you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Because it just goes, talk about going off the rails. This goes all the way off the rails and just keeps going for a while. It's pretty interesting. Well, pretty interesting, meaning that you just fell in love with the movie, right? In right a, now, it's a, on my top twenty-five of the year. Okay, okay, top twenty-five. This is I have to. Yeah, I have to have a couple of these each year. Okay. Shadow in the Clouds and this one right now. Are, are, so, are, I'm like having a, a feeling. That, this sounds like a movie that was so bad that it went all the way or back around and became brilliant. I have a yes. feeling. <laughs> I have a feeling Bruce is saying top twenty-five when he actually means top ten. I don't know. Mm, no, so wait, there's a lot of there's a lot of good saying, actually good movies this year. So like the killing of two saying, lovers is it better than killing right? That's a good one. No, you can't even compare it. That's like comparing <laughs> cheese whiz to like a fine steak or something. Undo right? <laughs> good yes. Undo. So just so I'm clear, you're saying that if Prisoners of Ghostland was just a little bit worse, it would have came all the way back around and became as brilliant as Greg and I think it is. Uh, Oh, maybe it's the problem for me is for me, and we're not going to rehash it again, but it wasn't fun. This 
is fun to me. That just could say something about me. Maybe I'm just a weirdo and you guys are right on track. So I don't well, know. That, that goes without saying. But, <laughs> but I, <laughs> now I, I heard that Malignant was kind of like a giallo. Someone said that. Is that at all a thing or? It's a little bit of everything. I think I originally, well, I originally described it as hot garbage. I also described it as, <laughs> I think it owes a lot to De Palma. I think right. this is more like De Palma's version of Giallo than actual Giallo. All right. Oh, you're making it sound like I'm going to completely love this movie. It just sounds like a movie that might be in my top 10 this year. It's I not as smart as, it's not as smart as De Palma. Because <laughs> De Palma you know knows what, what he's doing i don't doesn't feel like it quite knows what it's doing <laughs> you know you might have some pushback on that maybe james wan is actually consciously going weird on this movie. i've heard maybe? that i i feel like this is one of those things where the person bombs and they say like oh i meant to do that i feel like this is one of those movies where he's gonna say oh no i meant it to be like that all the way through and it's like no i don't think so i think you <laughs> meant the ending to be crazy and i think you just kind of failed on the rest of it that's but. very interesting i heard this i never attended the press junket but the press junket for raising Kane, when the previous night before okay people were just i can't were laughing at the movie a lot of the critics who were not the palma fans were just really laughing at, at how ridiculous it was that they thought it was so then what happened supposedly i'm, I'm getting this from the journalist Supposedly, what happened is the marketing team for the, for Raising Cane, the next day, they had the talent basically talk about how much of a comedy it was. So they, they watch, kind of- watch the follow through on this and see what happens, I bet. <laughs> okay, so you, you're thinking, oh, very interesting, Bruce. Well, so you know, actually, who, who actually attended one of that Raising Cane press junket, you know, who is one of the former journalists, not me, I, I didn't attend it, but this young this young whippersnapper who would ultimately become a TV producer and director when he was formerly a junketeer and he attended the Raising King Junket. His name is Ryan Murphy. So he was one of the main voices behind. <laughs> I need to get that. You know what? I need to find that Raising King Junket, Press Junket, if they ever have it and see if his voice is on tape. That would be very interesting to hear. But okay. So Eric, are you excited about that movie? Are you excited about uh, Malignant right now? Uh, uh, I'm excited and kind of scared at the same time. <laughs> So I was like, I, I'm intrigued. I'm extremely this would intrigued. Also, be a really fun one to have seen in a full theater. This would be a really fun one to hang out with friends and and be drinking and eating pizza and doing the whole thing. You know, this this would be really fun that way. And once you've seen it, go watch Red Letter Media's version of it after you listen to our podcast because they oh really cool they <laughs> they hit it about the same way that I hit it. So yeah, it's it's pretty good. Eric, wouldn't it be creepy and scary? If Bruce is telling us this entire tale, we could actually put this as a extended version of a thriller episode from that Boris Karloff 1960 to 62 anthology series. Bruce is talking about that weird person who actually sat on the same row. What if we actually got through the security tape and realized it was just Bruce sitting there all by himself? <laughs> it was <laughs> me sitting next to myself. So, oh, you know, you might be getting into a little bit of malignant. I don't know. Actually, you know what? <laughs> it may have been Anderson because I think I've seen his review of malignant where he showed up audio clips of uh, some asshole sitting right next to him making weird noises. Was that you, Bruce? Was that you making those noises? <laughs> wow. No, that would be it. That would be very, very right. interesting. Now, before we get to your what's in the box, Bruce, you have one more quick recommendation and you were really you're just absolutely out of the blue. Again, like Eric was saying, folks, join our Cinematics Facebook group. Oh my gosh. And, and Bruce Perky actually purchases the 4K Ultra HD version of Love and Monsters. Bruce, why? That's some good hard-earned money that you actually um, plunked down for this. Physical media. This one came, 
Yeah, this one came out of nowhere. I don't know how I missed it last year. I kept seeing the poster for it. I thought, oh, this looks just cheesy. The name is not good. Love and Monsters. Mm-hmm. Directed by Michael Matthews, by the way. And it came up on Hulu recently. I thought, okay, it's. I keep seeing this thing. Maybe it's okay. And a bunch of our... A bunch of the members of Cinematics had said it was good and it just kind of flew by the radar. You know how it is. We hear so many movies and sometimes just one doesn't catch in your brain. So I finally went around and watched this one and I loved it. This is right up my alley. This is so much fun. This is this this should be what all the big budget movies are getting made instead of superhero movies. An original property that's as fun as any of those big blockbusters are supposed to be. Basic concept. It just starts out and uh, uh, Joel played by Dylan O'Brien from Maze Runner, I think. Dylan O'Brien. Yes, yes, Maze Runner. And he was also in American Assassin. He's also in that as well. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of tell. He, he starts it out. It's one of those movies that starts out and kind of gives you the, how did we get to the post-apocalypse, right? And it tells you a little quick little story. There was a meteor coming towards the earth. We shot up missiles to blow it up. We successfully blew it up. But the fallout from the missiles we shot basically caused all of the cold-blooded animals, insects, frogs, whatever, to mutate into monsters, killing just about everybody on Earth, except for the few survivors. And of course, Joel is one of the survivors. He lives in a bunker. He is the coward of the bunker. They're all really good friends, but he basically doesn't ever go out in the hunting parties. He just sits there and he cooks. He's good at cooking, and he's trying to get the radio working, and that's about all he does. He gets the radio working. He connects with the woman he was separated from, seven years ago, whenever it originally happened, he finds out she's also alive at another outpost about 85 miles away. And he decides, this is it. I'm going to leave the bunker. I'm going to travel across this dangerous landscape for 85 miles on foot and make it to her, the love of my life. That's the story. He's going to make this trip. On the trip, he might meet up with Michael Rooker. He, yeah, can't go wrong there. He might meet up with a really awesome dog. Hey, throw a dog into a post-apocalyptic world, sure. And he might meet up with a lot of monsters. This movie is just fun adventure throughout. It's smart. It's better than it has to be. The monsters are used correctly. It's not a big, loud, noisy, you know, uh, Transformers style of movie. You get to see the monsters. They're unique. They're not overdone. They are used properly. This is just a fun, fun adventure. It's really good. How's the Blu-ray you got? Or the 4K? Does it have some good special Great. features? Yeah, it's got some, uh, some a couple of missing scenes, some behind the scenes stuff. I just wanted it because it's like, this is a movie I really like. I'm going to have it in my collection. Like we tend to do. If I like it, I'm going to own it. And I wanted my, my, my kid watched it right after I did because I said, you need to watch this movie. And he really liked it too. Uh, it's just great. Sounds like a gem. Sounds like one of those things that's very underrated and overlooked. Not yeah. overlooked by some, certain people though. Critics, check this out. 94%. Audience score, 89%. So high marks. For Love and Monsters, it's a movie that I missed. It's a movie that Eric Holmes has missed. And I'm sure it's a movie that a lot of people have missed. So Love and Monsters, headlined by Dylan O'Brien. High recommendation for Bruce Perky. And as usual, we are ending this show with Bruce Perky's What's in the Box. But before we do that, we this is our musical interlude. And we have our show-stopping intro from Eric Holmes. Yo, Pete. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. Yo, Pete. Drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, Bruce, what's our final movie for What's in the Box? One False Move, which we mentioned earlier, and you have seen it, so we can kind of mention it, or we can talk about it together a little bit. From 1992, directed by 
Carl Franklin. I rented it. I believe it's on, you could look it up. It's on one of the streaming channels, uh, stars or one of those, um, but uh, you can rent it for you know a couple bucks or you could get a DVD of it too. I think you mentioned just about everybody who's in it. I don't know if you mentioned that the main star in this is Bill Paxton. I don't know if no, you mentioned I did not. that. I did not. No. So, and then Billy Bob Thornton, of course, in a very early role with his balding head and a ponytail because he's a he's an an asshole <laughs> robber killer drug dealer type. So the basic concept of this movie is pretty. It's kind of interesting. It's a little dated. I would say it's mostly good with a little bit of meh, a little bit of stuff that doesn't quite age as well. Overall, I still say it's pretty interesting and a little unique for kind of a crime movie of that era. The basic concept starts out with Billy Bob Thornton's character and two other people basically kind of like home invading a, a drug house. And essentially they just rob these people who have a bunch of drugs and money. They kill them all and they hit the road. And basically this is really small town in Arkansas with a sheriff played by Bill Paxton. And they know that Billy Bob Thornton's character has relations in that town. So they have a feeling that he might be, they might be heading that direction. So you kind of have these two things converging. You have the big city cops going to the small town with Bill Paxton, kind of waiting to see if they can catch the killers. And then you have this parallel story of the cross country trip of these three killers with a really interesting dynamic where you've got Billy Bob and Cinda Williams as a couple. And then one other guy who's kind of like the organized you know, level-headed dude kind of as the third wheel in this trio of, of criminals and they're heading across going there. For me, the most interesting dynamic in this movie is when it starts out, you get Bill Paxton's character as kind of this country bumpkin, real, you know, gung-ho. I'm going to, you know, show the big city cops how awesome it is in this small town and how, you know, how life is in the out of the big city and how it has, it plays on that whole like, ah, shucks, but yet I'm a really good cop underneath it. Almost a little like Fargo, sort of. But as it progresses, you get to see more and more of his character and it and it becomes more complex. And uh, it becomes really interesting and it has a, a pretty interesting finale as well. You said it's dated. What In what aspects is it dated just a little bit? Some of the crime stuff is very, uh, you've seen it a lot now. You know, the, the cops pulling over the criminals on the side of the road and that kind of tense scene you're going to have between them. Some of the interactions between the, the drug dealers and the the bad guys are you've seen a, a million versions of that a million times so some of that plays is a little bit like um, not too interesting anymore and maybe not as much as it was then but all of the character stuff as they get closer to the small town is is still interesting and and deeper than you expect it to be when it starts to actually unfold in the the final act Okay. So that is one false move. I should have actually looked it up. I was just reading all these reviews. I'm going to look it up on Just Watch. By the way, folks, if you want to see where your movies are streaming, just go to justwatch.com. That's where you're going to actually find if it's streaming in any place, go to justwatch.com. Eric Holmes, do you have any thoughts on one false move? Billy Bob Thornton, Bill Paxton, Carl Franklin, any random? No? No, I I haven't seen it. This seems like a movie I... I would almost guarantee that Eric would really like this movie. I have a feeling mm. he'd really like this. What's uh what's someone that's kind of this movie is currently streaming on stars and or or you can rent or buy it. Okay. When what, Bruce what's, printed it. What's a movie where there uh it, it works kind of like a prequel to Fargo mm. where the oh, works as a prequel to Fargo. I'm trying to think. 
I, I think it's a Sam Raimi movie, maybe. Oh, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's in the snow and everything. Yeah. yeah. I, can't think, I can't remember what it's called now either. Yeah, it has a similar kind of a, a generic but, title. As you were, a simple plan. As you were, a simple plan. A simple plan, yes. Yeah, a simple plan. As you were describing the movie, I'm like, fuck, maybe I did watch this. No, you, you <laughs> saw yeah, that, that's a simple plan. This but, is such uh, yeah. more of a road movie and yeah. also a road movie mixed with the kind of this down home country. And it, it, it really plays with the idea of Southern down home America. And it starts out with like the most kind of obvious version of that. And it just peels away the reality from underneath. So, yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm, I'm going to check this one out. Okay. And that is it. After and Malignant. After, after Malignant. <laughs> Malignant. Okay. So that is it. That is this week's episode of Find Your Film. Eric, final thoughts at anything? Look, I know. Oh, this, sorry. Bruce's, I, I, Bruce's, Bruce's, oh, yeah. before you have the thoughts, Bruce, if, sorry about the pick. Oh, I know this is a great podcast. What's I in the know box, that you love Bruce watching us and listening to us. I know you want to know what's in the box. What's this, in the bleeping box? This podcast does not need to be in the theater. In the theaters. Yes, sir. But yes. this next movie that Bruce is about to read off may need to be seen in theaters. Very good. If it's playing anywhere, you never know. What's in the bleeping <laughs> box, Bruce? I don't know. I don't know. I'm pulling it out right now. Hang on. Let me pull something out of the box here. There you What's go. in the box? You have to unpeel it. It's something from 1985. I know that much. It's, it's suggested by Brian O'Connell. Hey, Brian oh, O'Connell? this is going to be a good one. I have not seen this, but I've heard of it. Tough Turf. Oh, Tough, Tough Turf. Turf. Oh. From 1985, directed by Fritz Kirsch, suggested by Brian O'Connell. Thank you yet again, Brian O'Connell, one of our original si- yes. one of our original Cinematics Facebook group members, folks. If you want to be part of our whole community, join our Cinematics Facebook group every single week. I give away two discs for people who are members of our Facebook group. We are now we're about 500, 500 strong, and yeah, nice small group, and we have a lot of people like Matt Stillman, Ken Cunningham. You know, all these different people, Joseph Bridges, they just come up with some really good daily movie recommendations that was worth just pretty much the price of admission. And that admission is free, folks. So I'll have a link where you guys can actually join our Cinematics Facebook group. And final thoughts yet again, Bruce, thanks for for actually anchoring the final final half of our our podcast episode. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no. Final final thoughts from Bruce Berkey. Well, my I have some audio help from this one, so we'll see if it works. My final thought has to do with every week we make this sprawling podcast and we ask Greg, our fearless leader, to cut it up and to fix it and to make it beautiful. So I'm going to give him some audio encouragement from Malignant. And hopefully I can make it come out and so you can hear it. You'll okay. have to cut this so you can nope. get it. I'm the malignant. What did she say? Try it one more time here. Cut out the cancer. Sounds like does done. We cut out the cancer. We oh, cut out nice the one. cancer. We cut out the cancer. We cut out the cancer. Is that a very important part in malignant, Bruce? Maybe. Maybe or maybe not. Oh, by the way, let's go on the five-star system. Out of five stars, what do you give it? Malignant? This podcast? Five. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said, this is a yes. great podcast. Yes, you listen folks. to it every week. The best one you hear all week. Please and leave. it's going to be even better the following week. But you do not need to see it in a in theater. theaters. In the That's theaters. the most important part. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Please give us five stars, folks. And speaking most importantly, Bruce, final Thoughts on Malignant. Five-star movie, four-star movie, four-and-a-half-star. What do you think? Well, you know, it's like I rate these all the time. As actual movie for quality, it's about a two-star movie. But as fun factor, it's about a five-star movie. So I'd say three-and-a-half to four stars. Oh, very cool. And with that, we will see you next week on Find Your Film. Thank you guys for listening and have a good week watching movies.